Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork alongside D. Lou here as we look back at K-State's uh, shellacking at the hands of the Oklahoma Sooners as they drop one 51 to 14 and preview uh, the TCU game this Saturday uh, on the road against the Horned Frogs as well as welcome C.J. Moore of The Athletic uh, to break down uh, K-State's upcoming season, his expectations for the team, and answer your questions uh, in this week's Ask the Icon segment. Alongside me is uh, my main, main man D. Louie here. D. Louie, how are we doing this fine day? I am terrific, Chris. Uh, rough game on Saturday, and I'm uh, going to have another tough game against uh, you know an opponent that's not very good, but I don't think there are easy any easy games left uh, for K-State, but overall, I'm... Uh, Adequate. <laughs> That's great. That's great to hear. I, I'm, I'm happy to be alongside you. Uh, but uh, I just want to kind of. We don't have to dwell much on this on this Oklahoma game. It's it was a game that K State was pretty well completely outmatched from uh, the first snap to the final whistle. When you talk about what K State did offensively, defensively, it's tough to find much positive to say. Yeah, it was uh, one of the worst K-State games, K-State performances uh, I've seen certainly in the last uh, couple years, and it certainly deserves a spot in the all-time list in terms of ugly performances uh, for a Bill Snyder football team. Um, I'm going to interrupt you right there real quick. Top three ugliest performances in Snyder 2.0, I think we probably have the same list. I don't know. Well, I, I might have a sleeper. Okay. Well, I, I, mine are 2009, and this is in no particular order, but I, I happen to think that Saturday's performance was the worst of, of the three that I'm about to list. Uh, but the 2009 Texas Tech game, um, then the 2015 OU game, and then uh, I think last Saturday is on that same list. Yeah, I'm going to... There, there's a couple ones. That I think I might know where you're going with this one, though. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say uh, a tie for number three. I'm going in reverse order here. Okay, you're, you're, you're even in order too. Uh, I like that. I three, like, I've always liked that about you. Yeah, three A. I'm gonna say uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, oh, okay, that yeah, was uh, 2009. See, I give. Okay, continue, continue. This that is was your a list. team that this is your list should not have lost that game. Um. So 2009 Louisiana Lafayette 3A. Uh, I'm going to go 2010 Nebraska as 3B. Uh, and then uh, 2015 OU and uh, yesterday. Or I'm sorry, Saturday. Well, it's uh, it's hard to argue with any of those. Those weren't some of K-State's finer moments on, on the gridiron. But... And that's ignoring the home loss to North Dakota State after See, the Big 12 championship game. That I don't have... I know a lot of K-State fans say, oh, that one's the most embarrassing loss or that one's the toughest pill to swallow. For me, that really wasn't all that tough because I knew we were breaking in some new guys. At... And that was the game after the Fiesta Bowl. I know. That's quite a drop-off. And I, and I know North Dakota State, they're a great FCS team. They always sneak up on people. But we went from being, from playing, you know, hoping to win the national championship that year in, in November, to losing at home to an FCS team pretty quick. Yeah, just like eight months later. <laughs> eight months, months later. I mean, 
five games later. Four four games later. Hey, life comes at you fast. It does. Way. Yeah. So. That came at me fast. But yeah. that that's you're gonna give him a free pass for that game. I'm not but, giving him a free pass, but I, I don't I don't rank that up there with what you know the game. Oh, I'm not saying. Hey, neither did I. Okay. But it's it's in the conversation. It's in the it's, conversation. It's knocking on the door. Okay. Knocking on the door. Well. Uh, unfortunately, K-State wasn't knocking on the door of uh, the Oklahoma end zone very often on Saturday. They did have one uh, touchdown drive there at the start of the second quarter that was really the lone bright spot uh, for, for K-State's offense uh, last Saturday against Oklahoma. When you look at what K-State did in that game offensively, there's really not much to talk about. Uh, but that drive was really the lone bright spot. Uh, transitioning here to defense... Uh, Oklahoma had, I believe, 702 yards of offense. We knew that they were one of the top uh, units in the in the nation offensively. K-State played one of its – it looked like the Baylor game in terms of what K-State was doing from a tackling perspective and, you know, an assignment perspective. But take nothing away from Oklahoma, uh, an extremely talented team, and they – uh, they could do whatever they wanted on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, we we all expected Oklahoma to put up a lot of points on Saturday. I, I don't think anybody expected it to be quite as easy as it was, as especially given uh, K-State's uh, defensive performance against Oklahoma State, where afterwards we I proudly proclaimed that Lynch Mob was back for, I think, the third... Fourth time fourth in time I, this I can't season. Quite yeah. But uh, they're gone again, certainly. Um, well, can I can I interrupt? Yeah, for a moment. Will they make a resurgence? Will they be back uh, the rest of the season? You know, I, yeah, <laughs> they're gonna be back. Well, if that's not a uh, vote of confidence for the Lynch Mob <laughs> folks. I don't I don't know what is. Yeah, I, I they they they're gonna be back for sure. Um, but Saturday they they were they were not they were absent uh, and uh, you know Oklahoma pulled their starters fairly early uh, thank God uh, Oklahoma put up only three points in the fourth quarter hey <laughs> Trinity hey. Trinity all right, right. Over for the, yeah. over for the let's uh, maybe they maybe they are back maybe, we just maybe, nobody was watching maybe they they came back right at the start of the fourth quarter maybe that's when they. And Oklahoma just happened to pull their starters, but because they, maybe because they pulled their starters because they knew the lynch mob was back. They like get them out of here. We don't want. I think I think we may have. Uncovered we don't want any injuries. We but, may have uncovered something. Yeah. So the defense performance just horrible, but somehow I think the offense performed worse. Um, just completely inept. Uh, Skylar Thompson. Throws for uh, 108 yards on the day, 13 of 21. Um, you know, when you go 13 of 21 and have an average completion of 5.1 yards, uh, that's that's not that's not good. So, so you're telling me that the defense gave up 700 yards. The offense was probably worse than the defense in case they didn't find a way to win this game. Uh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've got my head around it now. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Barnes, after just a string of dominating performances from him, I mean, what he did against Oklahoma State and, uh, you know, 
to come out on Saturday and run, and carry the ball 13 times for 28 yards, that's just a horrible, horrible uh, for Barnes and horrible for the offensive line that we thought had made some strides. Um, just when you're two, when you're quarterback and running back. Uh, you know, when your quarterback throws for 108 yards and your best running back runs for 28 yards, that's against a defense that is playing in their second game under a new defensive coordinator. And prior to him taking over, Oklahoma's defense has not just been average. It had been really bad, bad enough to where they fire their defensive coordinator. Yep. And so it's, it's so disheartening to see the step back K-State's offense took on Saturday. Uh, and you know it's the defense too, but it's there is just not a bright spot uh, that you can glean from Saturday. Other than uh, I guess K State only had one turnover, which is fewer than you would expect in a, a fifty-one to fourteen game. Uh, so good on K State for controlling the rock and getting in and getting out fairly quickly. A lot of three and outs, uh, I presume, uh, uh, stopped those turnovers from occurring, but. Uh, just a horrible performance from wire to wire. Yeah, and there's really no need to spend much more time on this. It, it was a game that K-State was completely outmatched from, from the word go, and uh, they dropped one 51-14 to uh, to the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, we'll be back after a short break on the short side option uh, to look ahead to the TCU game. We'll be back after this on the short side option. All right, we are back here on the Short Side Option Podcast, where D'Lu and I will look ahead to K-State's upcoming game on the road against the TCU Frogs. D'Lu, what can you tell me about the Frogs? Well, they're in a bit of a tailspin this season after starting off with some high hopes uh, that, uh, you know, they were one of the top contenders. Uh, a lot of people speculated to win the conference, or at least challenge for the conference coming into the season. Uh, and their first two games, they ran roughshod over Southern. They ran roughshod at SMU. And it all came down to uh, one of the premier out-of-conference uh, matchups for the Big 12 uh, when they played Ohio State in a game that, you know, TCU had every right to win that game. They were, they were right there. You know, in the big play and that that kind of swing the momentum, it swinged it to TCU. Was a uh, you know a little razzle dazzle on a uh, kickoff return where uh, TCU guys run and he, it's a setup play to throw it back across the field, but slightly ahead of of where uh, the thrower was at, so it was a an illegal forward lateral calls that back a touchdown that uh, would have gave, give TCU the, the lead and really snatched the momentum back from Ohio State. But go ahead. Sorry. A, no, that's just a play that sticks out to me when, when, when we talk about that game. Yeah, when you think back on the season. and then, uh, But even after that game, everyone's hopes on TCU were still pretty high because, sure. man, they, they were right there against right there Ohio State. But uh, then they go down to Austin and, and uh, lose by two scores to a Texas team that at that point in the season nobody was all that impressed with. Um, after the Maryland game, um, and you know, I I certainly thought, oh well, that 
I don't know what happened to TCU down in Austin. That appeared to just be kind of a blip on the radar in then, my mind. Yeah, and then Texas goes and runs off a couple of nice wins, and you know they're uh, overnight. It's seemingly overnight. They're the sixth ranked team in the country. Yeah, and you, you think at the time it it looked like boy, what a surprising you know result that was. At least I thought that. Um, but looking back, it makes perfect sense that TCU would lose on the road in Austin this year. Sure. And then after that game, they they get a pretty tight home win against uh, an, an Iowa State team that's become pretty impressive this year. They won that game 17-14. to And then by that same score, they lost uh, at home against Tech and got the, blurs, the doors blown off them against Oklahoma at home. And then last week against KU, obviously, uh, they lose a game, you know, that anytime you lose to KU in conference, you're going to think, boy, we really should have won that game. But uh, TCU probably should have. Um, at least all the all the statistical profiles say they should have uh, won that game. But And then you look at the off-the-field stuff for TCU, losing their quarterback, their best wide receiver, uh, and you think, boy, is TCU going to be able to get up off the mat or are they just going to throw it in? And it looks like this Saturday is going to be a, you know, if you're a K-State fan, you're thinking, well, who can we beat in this conference besides KU? But actually, uh, this game in Fort Worth is probably K-State's second best chance to get a win the rest of the way. Yeah, especially with the way Texas Tech and Iowa State have been playing as well. Uh, it really comes down to if K-State is going to try to make a run and try to get bowl eligible. Uh, this game uh, against TCU is a must-win, really. And K-State has not had really any success on the road this season. They've looked you know, really bad in each of their, of their games on the road so far this season. Of course, Baylor uh, was one of the, until this last Saturday, was the defense's worst performance of the season. And then, uh, you know, West Virginia, never in that game really at all. Uh, it's just not the, – the road has not been friendly to K-State so far this season. No, and that's going to be a concern. Uh, that's definitely a concern and probably explains the uh, the high spread on this game. I think K-State's coming in at a eight-and-a-half point. Yeah, uh, eight to eight-and-a-half, depending on where you look. And uh, – that's higher than I would have guessed just because TCU's struggling so much just like K-State is. Um, but, you know, in terms of road environments in this conference, Fort Worth is probably about the friendliest uh, to an opponent um, outside of Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, uh, especially with the way their team's play. I mean, it's I went down there for when K-State played them in 2014, and it was, it was a good you know, environment. It was a matchup of two top 10 teams at the time. Uh, but at this point, you'd expect that there might be some empties uh, down there in Fort Worth for this one. But it just seems like the way K-State's playing right now, it, it seems really hard for the, to imagine them coming out of Fort Worth with a win. Yeah, but you know what? It, it was hard to imagine that they hang with and beat Oklahoma State, certainly by the margin they beat them by. Um, and when you look at the issues TCU's facing, as I mentioned, uh, quarterback Sean Robinson, their starting quarterback this year, uh, who wasn't great 
while he played, but he was serviceable. Yeah. Um, Highly recruited kid, too. I ch- chose TCU over uh, a variety of schools, including Alabama. So a kid that they were excited to hand the reins over to, uh, you know, after Kenny, after the Kenny Trill era. Yeah, and, you know, they're, uh, the backup uh, quarterback who took over uh, last week against KU, you know, he had a fine day. Went 23 of 33 for 350 yards with a touchdown and a pick. So it's not as if they're, they're left in the lurch here at quarterback because, um, you know, Michael Collins, he could do a good job too. But... Uh, Definitely a loss and kind of a jarring uh, obstacle you face in the middle of your season when uh, your starter goes down. Yeah, and we I don't believe we mentioned uh, Cavante Turpin having been suspended, who's one of their dynamic playmakers, especially in the return game and as a wide receiver as well, uh, that he was actually booted off the team due uh, to an alleged – uh, assault against a family member, I believe, a battery against a family member uh, after the Oklahoma game. So certainly a team in turmoil as well. Uh, K-State's kind of ongoing turmoil is more speculation about uh, if Coach Snyder will hang it up after the season and, and what's going on with that situation. But uh, with TCU, a little bit of it's inside uh, the locker room and on the field in terms of uh, the personnel that they're able to put out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for a team to uh, lose their starting quarterback, you you just have to wonder where this offense is because, you know, the Gary Patterson offenses, when TCU's been successful uh, in the Big 12, you associate them with the explosive plays, you know, the going fast, going over the top, um, and letting – your wide receivers just come in and make giant plays, but uh, this year that hasn't been the case for TCU. They're uh, they're just not a very explosive offense, rating uh, in the 80s in terms of explosiveness. Um, and really, they've had better luck just staying ahead of the chains. They have a decent success rate, um, and they're just kind of where they are successful. It's just their steady, methodical efficient drives as opposed to these huge chunk plays that uh, have been really a staple of TCU's offense. Well, when also when you think of TCU uh, switching from offense to defense, you think of a pretty solid defensive team. Uh, that quite hasn't been the case uh, up to Gary Patterson's standards of, of the typical stoutness that they have on the defensive side of the ball. No, I mean, they're, they're a Fine defense. I'd rank them in the middle to maybe just better than the middle of the conference, but certainly not anything that's gonna it's gonna scare anybody. Um, you know, I I think that there's clearly a handful of defenses in the conference that are better uh, than TCU this year. Uh, I think Texas, Iowa State, and uh, probably Tech uh, before I'd take TCU's defense this year. And so for an offense that had a really hard time um, on the road against Oklahoma, you think, well, if they go in 
against TCU and Fort Worth, if you're going to be on the road, there's not really, you know, outside of KU, a team that you want to play if you want to lick your wounds. Yeah. Well, we've kind of had a look here at the offense and the defensive side of the ball. Is there anything else you want to add about uh, TCU before we make our predictions here? No. They're uh, Other than they're, if they do get in the red zone against K-State's defense, then don't worry because they're just about the worst uh, red zone team in the country. Uh, they, uh, they don't score very many touchdowns. They're not efficient inside the 10. They turn it over inside the 10 at a fair clip. And uh, they're bad on the goal line. So if you can just get them down inside the 10-yard line. All right. We uh, figured it out. Let yeah. them get inside there and then which, they'll take care of it from which, there. As I, which kind of shows why TCU is struggling this year. Because as I mentioned, they don't get explosive. They're not explosive. So they will drive down the field, get inside the red zone, and just fall apart. And not score touchdowns and not a lot of times turn it over. And so, uh, you know, that's that just shows that's not a recipe you want if you uh, if you're looking to be an efficient offense. Certainly not what you want there. Uh, so, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. What's the pick? Uh, my pick is TCU. Um, all that being said, you're still, yeah, you're still... No. all that being said, I, I don't forget the first half of this program. Yeah, well, uh, it's hard to hard to forget that. Uh, TCU is is a team that's. Uh, really struggling, but it's a team that, despite all of that, is, I think, considerably better than K-State this year. And I, I put, uh, I would expect TCU to win this game somewhere in the ballpark of 30-24. Uh, 30-24, to 24. 30 to 24, so, a cover. Barely. Barely. Hey, it's all about cash and tickets. Stay away from the money line here. It's all about cash and tickets, yeah. though, in this in this in this world. So, uh, I unfortunately have to agree with you. I think um, I think K State comes up short here in this one. Uh, I'm going 28-17, K State. Oh wow! Uh, I think K State. Wait, 28-17, K State? No, no. I, I think TCU. Oh, okay. I think K State in this game is going to struggle to move the ball offensively a little bit and. Even though, as we, we categorized, uh, this isn't a typical Gary Patterson, uh, top-of-the-conference type of defense, but uh, K-State's offense is really struggling and really has struggled outside of the, I mean, I'm, I'm discounting the UTSA game. Uh, they've only really shown a lot of life in, in uh, the second half of the Oklahoma State game this season, and I think K-State's just too inconsistent on offense to, to really uh, go out there and, and pick them to win this game. I think TCU, better athletes across the board, and I think that's going to show up a little bit on Saturday. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a fair assessment. S&P Plus has uh, TCU winning this game by 13, a little over 13 points. Okay. Gives them a uh, 78% chance to win. Okay. So I was at 28-17, I believe is what I said. And you were at uh, thirty to uh, twenty-four. Thirty to twenty-four. So it's a game that K State. I think we both think will K State will have their chances in this game. I don't. I don't foresee this being a game that K State's just never really in by any stretch. But I, I do think that they're going to struggle to score enough points and to move the ball consistently enough on offense. 
Well, yeah, and how do you even begin to pretend to be able to predict a K-State game this year? After Oklahoma State, you you go out and play against Oklahoma like you did on Saturday. So who been coming who, off a of bye week? Yeah. So who? I'm I'm picking thirty to twenty four, but that's just you know if both teams play to their average. But who knows? Maybe K State will go off and play like they did against Oklahoma State and win this game, game by again. thirty points. Yeah. But uh, you know, there's also the possibility that they could play like they did on Saturday and just go out there and lose by thirty points. The one thing about K State. Or the one thing about this game, you have to kind of wonder where TCU is mentally. Um, having lost Cavante Turpin, having you know a backup quarterback in there, having coming coming off of a loss to Kansas on the road, you have to wonder if they're kind of checking out on the season. Yeah, well, the same can be said about so, K-State. and that's that's what makes this game really a, kind of a head scratch in terms of. <laughs> It's very compelling if you're into two football teams that have been playing really that are, lousy. Yeah, if you're if you're into floundering teams, uh, this this might be uh, the game for you on two uh, thirty on Fox Sports One uh, this Saturday. But it's a game that I think K State can definitely win. I would not be shocked if they did, but uh, with the way they've been playing, I got to go with TCU. So both of us are taking TCU to win this game and uh, fall to. Three and six on the season as before returning home for the Governor's Cup. The Dylan Sunflower Showdown against uh, against the Kansas Jayhawks uh, the following week. I know we've all had this game circled for, for months. Absolutely. After after the performance, the nail biter last year. After well and after the uh, <laughs> I won't lie and say that uh, I, I know I've talked to several K-State fans, uh, after even after the first game against South Dakota, that said, yeah, you might want to circle that KU game because that might be the only one we re- win the rest of the season. Oh, and uh, fair, fair worry. Yeah, they, uh, it, was, it was a fair worry at the time. But, you know, we'll see what K-State can do this weekend on the road at TCU. But that'll conclude uh, the TCU preview portion of the podcast. Uh, following the break, I sit down with C.J. Moore of The Athletic, who he uh, writes for, covers college basketball for them. And uh, we'll discuss K-State's upcoming season as the Wildcats uh, tip it off here shortly on the short side option. I get those goosebumps every time. I need the time to throw that to the side. Hello and welcome back to the short side option podcast. Uh, we've got CJ Moore on with us here. Uh, CJ is a writer uh, for The Athletic covering college basketball. Uh, he covers K-State, uh, KU, uh, Mizzou, and a little bit of all over of the local teams uh, here. CJ, thanks for coming on this afternoon. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me, man. Well, uh, it uh, hasn't been a great season for K-State on the uh, on the gridiron, but we're hoping for a, a much better season uh, for K-State on the basketball court. Uh, preseason rankings have came out. K-State uh, is pegged 12 in, uh, in a, the AP poll here in the preseason. What do you think about where K-State ranks in that poll, and do you, would you agree with that uh, with that spot so far? Yeah, I think it's a uh, it's a good spot. I um, oops, sorry, my tried to lock my chair, and then so I got I got a noisy office chair. I need a new one. Hey, no problem there. <laughs> I think it's uh it's about the right spot. I could pull up here, 
Um, I just did my own poll for our uh, our 68, which I would in, I would encourage people to to go check out. I had K State. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I had K State eleven, so okay. I, I I agree with uh, about where the you know the AP has them, and I think based on the run last year and the success of the you know the program had late in the season last year, um, you know there's still some question marks going into the year. You know offensively, well they had some good stretches last year. They weren't a lead on that end, and I think they need to make a a, a good size improvement offensively to you know, jump into that top 10 in the country. But uh, based off what they have coming back, based off what other people have coming back, I think that's about accurate. Well, let's kind of talk about what they do have coming back. Really, everyone coming back from a team uh, that was just a game away from going to the Final Four last year uh, with Dean Wade, uh, who was voted preseason player of the year in the conference, and Barry Brown also joining Dean Wade on the first team. Uh, Xavier Steve's another guy that that I feel could be a, a potential all-conference type player. Uh, kind of talk about what you see uh, from the returning core here uh, at Kansas State this year. Well, you know, Barry Brown is a guy that that I expect to, to become, um, you know, somebody I think I can say fan actually on my lead guard rankings thought I had him a little too high, which was, <laughs> you don't usually get that out of a, absolutely not. Of a usually it's like, the, the, yeah, it's the opposite. What's, what's wrong with you? Like I had, there's a comment on there from a Tennessee fan, you know, one in their point guard on the list. It's like the dude averaged seven points per game last year. It's like not having him bone on here is a joke. It's like, come on, come on, man. Hey, that's how you <laughs> college basketball is getting back in the swing of things right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you know it's back. But, um, you know, I, I was at a practice not too long ago, and 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 Barry looked great, and and was really really hitting some tough shots, and um, you know, just looked light on his feet, like looked like a even an improved version of what we saw last year. Um, you know, if Dean Wade can basically just repeat what he did during the Big 12 last year, that's that's a really 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 elite um, forward for for K State, and I think he will be able to 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 repeat it, and you know, kind of put up similar numbers. Um, you know, one guy that you didn't mention there that that I think will help K-State this year that really wasn't himself last year once he got hurt was Cam Stokes. Um, I, I think he's probably going to be more like the the guy he was before his injury last season. So getting him adds some, um, <clears throat> sorry, adds some depth to the, the backcourt. And, you know, when you, you add in Mike McGurl as well, you know, that's just, you, you, you really have a, some, some, offensive punch coming from the bench which for much of the season last year they didn't really have no i think that's a great point i i want to back up here and i'm glad you brought up uh cam stokes there there's a bit of um i guess a little bit of worry in the k-state fan base that uh, you know with what uh, cartier jada did last year after taking over for for stokes that uh, he should be getting more of the playing time at point guard and and i think think he will and I think some people are a little bit hesitant to see how they're going to massage Stokes back in, whether he, if he's going to be playing starter minutes, if he's going to have more of a reserve role. Uh, I guess if you look into your crystal ball here, so to speak, how do you think it will best play out for K-State? Not necessarily maybe early in the season, but as we get into a, more of the teeth of conference play. I think you want Stokes probably playing anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes a game, kind of depending on whether he's hitting that night or, or not. But, the, you know, the great thing for K-State now with Jada 
Um, you know, that's their guy. That's that's going to be their point guard. He proved enough last year to be the starting point guard. He just does so much more for them on the defensive end. I don't think that, that you know, uh, Bruce Bruce Weber is going to go away from from Jada. So Stokes, you 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 kind of pepper him as a combo guard who can come in for for both you know backcourt spots and play you know 15 to 25 minutes a game depending kind of how he's playing and maybe depending on how how Mike McGirl's going as well and and you know you just kind of ride the hot hand there but um, you know for the most part I think they're not going to go away from from Jot. I don't think that Stokes will necessarily eat into his minutes that much. One thing I also would like to to bring up is K-State uh, had two new additions uh, here. Both newcomers are, are uh, you know, highly touted by the K-State uh, fan base, have high expectations for both Austin Trice and Sean Neal Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trice is probably going to get have a little bit more of an expanded role just because, of, as we discussed, uh, the depth in the backcourt. Uh, but how do you kind of see those two newcomers uh, once you already kind of sprinkle those guys in to what's already a pretty established and experienced core. Yeah, Sean, you know, from the little bit that I saw him, the big, big, long guard, um, pretty smooth player. I, I think he's going to eventually become a nice player and be a guy that you can, um, you know, when you need to go to him, we'll, we'll be able to survive in a Big 12 game. And then um, Trice is, you know, he's just a big athletic body, you know, not not super skilled, but can really, really rebound the ball. And that's something they were missing last year. And I think between him and then one guy that really impressed me when I was there a few weeks ago, um, who's basically transformed his body was Levi Stockard. And he's way thinner than he was a year ago. And, uh, you know, he had a nice practice the the day I was there. And, um, you know, I think getting him in, in there, to be able to come off the bench, he's he's. I think he'll be improved from what he was a year ago. So between him and Trice, I think you're looking at a better situation in terms of backup bigs. Well, let's kind of look at. We've talked about uh, a lot of the experience coming back, a lot of quality uh, bench players too, which K State really hasn't had that luxury in the past. Mm-hmm. Let's let's kind of talk about the job that Bruce Weber has done reshaping this roster over the last three to four years from the max mass exodus of of the marcus foster and nigel johnson and that group of players uh that had transferred to really you know here in three uh four years after that has really got a pretty nice roster here put together yeah i think that they've i think bruce has always done a good job of identifying the guys that they think they can get and that are maybe, you know, better players than, than perceived when they're in high school. And you look at a lot of the guys that he's gotten through his history at K-State, and, you know, it's this this roster is littered with them. But, um, you know, you bring up Marcus Foster, and, and that was a guy that I think they were trying to build things around, and, and that goes south. And um, it's, it's hard to anticipate something like that happening because I'll tell you I, I I went and interviewed Marcus Foster as a freshman and came away really really impressed and thought he was just the nicest kid and I really do think Marcus is a nice kid I've done heck th- I think I did three features on him when he was in college and you know I, I think Marcus is a nice kid who just the success went to his head and, and you know got into a little trouble and and he needed to, to, to go elsewhere but um, you know when when you're 
a program like K-State, that something like that can can set you back a few years. And um, it's been impressive to see kind of the, the the build from year to year. And, you know, they put a lot in that that Dean Wade, Barry Brown, Camp Stokes class, and, and those guys have really come through. You know, it's funny, too. I remember that class coming in, and I – it's easy to look back now and say this, but at the time I had kind of looked at what Oklahoma was doing with uh, Jordan Woodard, uh, Buddy Heald and Ryan Spangler. Mm -hmm. And I kind of was saying, man, if this, if Cam Berry and Dean Wade, if they reach their potential, this is the kind of team that I think K-State could have kind of modeling some of those Oklahoma teams. And it looks like this year uh, they're really, you know, hopefully set up to do that and uh, get themselves to a potential Final Four type team. Uh, I do kind of want to transition here a little bit uh, just to the Big 12 here. Of course, Conference Media Days uh, were last week. Uh, KU uh, expected to win the conference again. No surprise there. Uh, I do want to kind of get your opinion on what uh, the what you think the strength of the Big 12 is. Of course, there's been a lot of talent that has been lost. Uh, in the Big 12, uh, KU notably losing some some very good college players and and guys that are pros as well. But I just kind of want to get your opinion on the on the Big 12. Last year they had uh, seven tournament teams. Uh, what what do we think about the overall strength of the conference this year? Well, I, I think the league's maybe down a little bit from what it's been the last couple of years. Um, now it could you know I like to take a wait and see approach and kind of see how these teams look in the, in the non-conference, you know, maybe a team like Texas will finally come through and, and, and be what kind of people think they usually, you know, usually they're, they're higher in the preseason than they end up. Right. So, sure. you know, you know, maybe a team like that's better, you know, TCU's got a nice group returning, but man, Kendrick Williams was a really, really, really valuable guy for that program. And I think maybe they're a little bit overrated, based on, um, you know, the, the kind of the perception of them coming into this season. Um, you know, one one team I'm really, really high on, and, and I, I ended up, um, you know, as far as my rank, preseason rankings go, I had uh, the third highest in my poll was Iowa State. You know, and it, it, it could go south for Iowa State if some things don't go right. You know, they're, they're going to be pretty young, but, man, they've got a, a lot of talent. And I just kind of like how it's 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 put together, and, and they're going to be able to play small ball, which that program has done so well um, through the years. So uh, you know, I think that's a team that that should be pretty good. Um, West Virginia, you always expect West Virginia to be up there because you know as long as Bob Huggins is is pressing, getting the guys to to play their butts off, they're going to be pretty good, and that's that's what he sure. does pretty well. And you know, you look at the preseason poll for the Big Twelve. I think Baylor was ninth. Is that right? Um, that sounds. I think uh, maybe OU at nine, but I think Baylor was eight. I can't. I can't. I don't have it in front of me I right want, now. I want to say. I want to say Baylor was nine in that poll. Okay. Um, you know, it's if, if if Baylor's nine, knowing how consistently good that program's been through the years, then the league's not bad. Like I like I I, I think the strength of the Big Twelve is always there's no terrible team, and you, that that could be the case this year. I mean, Oklahoma State I think was picked last, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, Cameron Regress, a guy that I think could be a, a pro and, and, and have a really, really nice year. So that, that, that you asked me what the strength of the Big 12 is. I think year in and year out, it's almost not having any terrible teams. No, I think it's, you know, that was always the kind of the battle cry for folks that were saying the Big 12 is the best conference. It's a true round robin, everyone playing everyone. And, of course, you have some great home court env environments in the Big 12. 
uh, and no doubt uh, a, t- a tough conference that has just a bunch of great coaches too. Uh, when you look up and down the ro- up and down the coaching rosters, uh, I do want to bring uh, KU into uh, the spotlight here a little bit. They do, uh, you know, the preseason number one team in the country. They bring in a lot of talented uh, new transfers, uh, guys that have been sitting out for a, for a year. Mm-hmm. They also lose two guys that I can't count how many big shots they've hit over the last couple of years with Devontae Graham and Steve Mikhailuk. How do you see that kind of meshing in? And uh, I guess what kind of growing pains do you expect for KU, if any? Well, I do expect some growing pains because, you know, the last couple of years they've had old, old backcourts where you go from Frank Mason as your point guard to Devontae Graham. And, you know, those guys playing so long together when, when Mason was still in school. And now you're going to a freshman point guard. And if, if you go back through the years, um, you know, Bill Self has not had great, great success with a, with a freshman point. Um, I think the, the guy that was probably the best one, if you want to call him a point guard, was Mario Chalmers. And if you, if you think back to the way that team started, which was a really, really young team, you know, Mario Chalmers couldn't get the ball across half court against Arizona and Maui. And they brought in Stephen Vincent, a walk-on, to to take his place. And I think, you know, Vincent played a bunch of minutes the the next game out as well. So eventually Chalmers, you know, he was great once the Big 12 season started, but it took him a while. And it, it could take this backcourt a little bit to, to get going with not having a real veteran presence back there. You know, LeGerald Vick is a, is a senior, but he's not the typical, you know, leader type as a, as a senior um, that's that's just not who he is so um, you know I think that they maybe could struggle in that department a little bit take 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 a little bit of time to get going those kids are Devin Dotson and, and Quentin Grimes are really really talented but you know it's a it's a tough leap to make make and then you know you talk about Graham and Steve McKayluk like you said two guys that hit big big shots through the years and shooting should be a, a, a real real concern for Kansas because um, you know, they just don't have many knockdown shooters when last year they had at least three guys that you could probably call elite shooters in, in Newman, Mikhail Luke, and, and Graham. CJ Moore with The Athletic on with us here on the short side option. Uh, CJ, uh, thank you for spending some time today with us. Uh, I'm going to let you go here with one final question. Uh, I want you to look, go ahead and look back into that crystal ball, so to speak, and uh, tell me where K-State finishes this season uh, on the basketball court. As far as in the uh, Big 12 standings or just the, where, where they finish uh, in the tournament? How about a little bit of both, if you don't mind? A little bit of both. Uh, well, you know, it's it's hard to pick against Kansas considering the, the history. Sure. So I'm, I'm, I'm still going to pick Kansas number one. I think Diedrich Lawson's going to be really, 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 really good. And, you know, we talked about their backcourt concerns, but their, their frontcourt's still really, really healthy and and really good. So I think Kansas ends up winning the league, but I, I'll, I'll say K-State finishes second. And I'll say K-State makes it back to the Elite Eight, but it isn't quite able to uh, to push through the Final Four. With uh, the conference race, do you see it coming down uh, to the end for the conference title, or uh, is KU winning this conference by a couple games? Uh, I'll say KU finishes something like 13 and five, maybe like last year, and K State gets up to uh, 12 and six. 
Okay, coming down to the to the final week of the regular season. Uh, it would be an exciting race for sure. Uh, CJ, thank you so much again for taking some time to speak with uh, to speak with me today, and uh, we're looking forward to basketball season. Can't believe it's already here. Thanks for having me. I'd encourage your uh, your listeners to to keep an eye out. I have a a big Dean Dean Wade story I'm working on. I'm not quite sure when it's going to come out, but 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 pretty soon I think. So uh, keep it keep an eye out for that. It's it's been fun one to report. Uh, thank you again, CJ. You can follow all of his work at the Athletic. Uh, CJ Moore. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Thanks, man. Welcome back to the short side option where we are getting into this week's Wildcat Legend. Chris, I'm not going to tease it. I'm just going to go right into it. This week's Wild. Tell me, bro. I'm, I'm dying to know. <laughs> I can see you sitting on the edge of your seat. Tell me. I can't wait. Settle down. Me. Sit down. Okay. Uh, this Chris, this week's Wildcat Legend is, of course, Lewis Lavender. That's a great Wildcat legend. Yeah, he is. He, he, of he, course, is, he is the embodiment of a Wildcat legend in so many ways. Yeah, in so Drew, many ways. Drew, would you please tell me about more about him? I'd love to. Okay. Uh, Mr. Lavender, as I call him, he played in 12 games uh, in the 2003 season, which I believe there were 15 games that year? Yep. So 12 out of 15, not could, bad. Could have been 15-0. and 0. Yep. Uh, and he had starts against California and Missouri that year, too. Of course, the California game uh, in Arrowhead that season. Uh, but that Missouri game is where is what really sticks out to me. He had a couple huge uh, plays in that game, including a one-tipped pass over in that south end zone that was just unbelievable. How could you forget it? Yeah. That's when I got up, told my dad, said, hey, we're going to the Big 12 championship. He was at the game. I wasn't. Okay. Uh but I called him and said, we're going to the Big 12 Championship. And he said, tell your mother to get tickets. You're getting tickets. I'm getting tickets. There we go. Uh, and um, had 22 tackles that year, uh, 17 solo stops, and four pass breakups, and an interception. So that's a, that's quite a season. Um, and, you know, a couple other details about Lewis Lavender. His favorite food is, uh, as we all know, chicken fettuccine Alfredo. Likes the pasta. Oh. Well, that's... I mean, that's a great choice. <laughs> it's not bad. I could go for... What do you say after this? We go to Olive Garden. Go get some fettuccine Alfredo. I was thinking Fazoli's, but... Okay. Uh, and when asked who would play him uh, if a movie was made about him, in a 2004 interview, he said Tom Hanks. So Seems, like a, log- seems like a logical choice. Great taste in uh, actors. And, Love Tom Hanks' work. Yeah, very accomplished actor. And What's your favorite Tom Hanks movie? Ooh, boy. Um, gosh. I don't know if I could even pick. They're all so good. I think mine would have to be, and it's it's probably not his best movie, but it's my favorite, is um, The Green Mile. Oh, yeah, that's a pretty good one. A I lot like, of, <laughs> I like that movie a lot. You know, when I watched The Green Mile, I wasn't quite expecting it to be so focused on... His, him urinating. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, there was a lot more... That was a much more central plot point than I expected about this, uh, you know, this prison guard. But... Uh, well, and let's let's switch here a little bit from green to lavender as we as we head back to, to big to, to big Lewis Lavender here. When you look back at his his career, you, you highlight the game against... Um, Against Missouri, where he had that memorable pass breakup in the south end zone, 
But I will also say, too, that uh, he was just not only just had that one great moment, but he was a solid force for that 2003 defense throughout. Oh, yeah. I mean, as we mentioned, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's a defense that played huge against Oklahoma, uh, struggled throughout the early part of the season, but uh, really got it all together. And uh, having a solid uh, contributor like Lewis Lavender, who, while not necessarily starting every game, getting in for 12 of them and, and starting two of them, uh, that's that's the type of legendary performance you need if, if you want to win the Big 12 championship. But uh, I don't think there's anything else to say about Lewis other than um, he is this week's Wildcat legend. All right, we are getting into our final segment on the show where we welcome in our very own icon, Chris Sork, to answer your listener questions. Questions can be submitted to the Short Side Options Twitter feed at T-S-S-O underscore podcast, or use the hashtag AskTheIcon. Our first question comes from Tyler H at T-H-8 underscore. He has a trio of questions today. His first is, will the next football coach be older or younger than double Sean McVay's age when he was hired to be the Rams head coach? And for those that may not be uh, aware of Sean McVay, he was... Uh, I looked this up today. Thirty months or thirty months, thirty years. <laughs> wow, that would be he all was a young. thirty month babe. You know, I thought I always thought Sean McVay was a little green to be getting that exactly Rams right. job. Exactly right. But thirty years, excuse me, and eleven months um, when he took that job. So a young guy, uh, to say the least. But uh, so double that puts him at. We'll, we'll give him sixty-two. So what we'll say. Okay. And I will say. Based upon um, just kind of the likelihood of candidates that are probably going to be in the mix, uh, it's a numbers game. And I'll say that uh, the next K State head coach will probably be younger than that. So I'm going to go young, younger uh, on the line that Tyler is uh, is setting there. So Icon, you're on the record saying that the next, and many people are wondering this question: Will the K State's next head coach be double? Sean McVay's age when he was hired to be the Rams head coach. This and is, you're, you're saying under. I'm going to go under. All right. Well, I had to break out my pad and, notepad and pencil for that one. Okay. All right. Tyler's next question. Does the icon share d affinity for a certain Tex-Mex restaurant in the KC area? Who asked about a potential sponsorship opportunity and what your go-to order is. Wow. That's a very interesting question. Do you know which Tex-Mex restaurant he's referring to? I have a I have a very good idea of which one he is. Uh, Mr. Jose Peppers is is I believe the one that he is, um, that he is referencing. And I do have this. I don't know if I would say it's the same affinity because I know that's a, a favorite spot of yours. But uh, funny that he should mention that because on um, I believe it was on Monday, I went there and had lunch. That's right. And uh, I was sorry that I couldn't go with you, but I just went on Saturday. Um, but and and oh yeah, what's your go-to order? The, the same as yours, Monterey chicken burrito. It's 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 the, a, it's a staple of their menu, and it's uh, it's as good as it gets. It's the best. Uh, it's the best dish you can find in Kansas City, Wichita, uh, or Topeka. Okay, I mean I I I'm not one to argue with you on that one. Uh, Tyler's final question is: 
Uh, he asks whether there will be more wins uh, in the remainder of the football season or uh, wins against KU in basketball. Whoa. That's an interesting. That's, that's an a, exotic question. Yeah. There, that should be a bet. That should be a man. I'm going to Vegas this weekend, and if I don't see that prop see, out there, see if you can get the uh, see if you can get a couple of the bookmakers to to get that one on the board. <laughs> yeah. See what you can do to see if they can write you up a ticket for that one. Um. Wow, that's a really tough question. Um, I think K State will definitely win one more game in football this year. I think they have a decent chance this week against TCU, and I feel like they will beat KU. So it's like one and a half, and that's a really good question. I'm gonna say that I'm just gonna pick regular season games for for basketball because you never know with the uh, the Big Twelve tournament. But that's out there. Yeah, that's out there. Man, maybe four. Could be four. Um, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say the basketball because of that of the unknown there. You can, you know you're getting at least two games against KU. I do think we're going to beat them once this year, and I might even think we that one might even be in Allen Fieldhouse. We, we've gotten robbed the last two times we've gone there, so uh, I think that uh, we're due for one there. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pick the basketball uh, option on this one. I think you'd get plus money. Picking basketball. Hey, <laughs> I know you. It. I know I'm you love it. an underdog. You got. You got to love an underdog, especially when he owls. That's right. Our next question comes from Brett Henning uh, at Brett W H Henning on Twitter. He asks, "Would you guys ever consider doing a drunk side option episode during the slower sports season?" Uh, he suggests us to sit behind the mics, have a few pops, and see where the banter goes. Who says we're not already doing that? Yeah, who says that we're not uh, doing our two favorite things, which is drinking beer and talking about sports, baby. That's right. Who's to say that we're not doing that? But you know that Brett, uh, he does bring up a great point, and that's something that we'll continue to evaluate. It's uh, you know we're always looking to improve ourselves and in, in, improve the podcast here, so uh, we uh, we'll take his suggestion and, and store that in the memory banks. But that's something we, we can definitely revisit. That's goal number four: improve uh, every day as a as a player. And a podcaster. That's right. And that's what that's what we're going to be doing. All right. Our next question comes from S.L. Keck, at S.L. Keck on Twitter. He says, you can only drink one type of these for the rest of your life. Uh, what do you choose? And uh, let me preface this question. He's going to, he's asking what, he's going to give us a series of types of drinks. Or I'm oh. sorry, he's going to give you a series of types of drinks. And um, you have to choose uh each type, what you would drink of that type. All right, so let's just do this rapid fire, all right? Okay. Uh, beer. Natty Light. Cocktail. Ooh, um, Jack Daniels on the rocks. Whiskey. No, that kind of covers that. Uh, we'll go for a cocktail, then we'll go like uh Shoot, that's a really tough question. Um, we'll go like a Moscow Mule. Those are all right in the summertime. Refreshing. Yeah. Specific pizza. <laughs> uh, beef and mushroom from Pizza Hut stuffed crust. Staying away from the papa. Staying away from the papa. You can't, you can't go wrong with the stuffed crust. Fast food chain. Fast food chain. Oh, God. Um, we'll go chicken filet. 
What do we it's think about a great that? Great choice. Album. Album. Oh my. Um, man, these are brutal. I haven't even seen these. Um, I'll go. Hot Fuss by the Killers. Great choice. Uh, TV show. TV show. Um. Remember, you only get one for the rest of your life. One for the rest of my life. I'd get tired of watching Sports Center all the time. Um, you know, I don't think he means just like that stuff. I, I think he he's like looking for like episodic a, seasons. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know what? I'll, I'm going to get made fun of for this, but I don't care. I'm going to go original, old school. No, no spinoffs. Old school Law and Order. That's a great choice. Um, and that wraps up Steve's first question. Okay. Uh, his second question is, now he, he addresses this to both of us, but that's not how this segment works. But what's your favorite horror film? Ooh. Um, I can't remember exactly which one it is, but it, it's, in, it's in the series. And it's, it's the Saw series. It's one of the... So your favorite it, horror it, film it, is one of the 15 it, Saw well, movies. It, no, it, it's the series. It's oh, oh, as okay. a whole. I'm not, gotcha. I'm not just labeling like... That I, I consider those just like you know a genre or it's a, a part of the. They're all kind of the same essentially. I think Saw Three was the one that was scariest to me. I think. But yeah, that's if I remember right. That's the one where they're going around that big house. I can't even remember it. That, I think that's right though. It it's been a while since I've seen those, but man, those scared me. Somebody may or may not have fallen into like a bunch of needles. Yeah, maybe? probably. I think that sounds familiar. Now, hey, I want to go back to uh, to to Steve's question. Um, did he did he want you to get in there? Yeah, uh, he, yeah, but that's well, we'll we'll consider workshopping this segment after you the know, season. No, I think I think I'd like as the icon. I think I'd like you to answer that. What my favorite yeah, horror movie is? Yeah, I would. Um, I'd say I'm calling it. It's a horror movie. I think uh, I'm going with Alien. Oh, okay. Um, Science fiction kind of. Th- yeah, it's science fiction, but it's, you know, but technically, it's got, a, it's a horror movie. It's uh, very claustrophobic, you know what, kind of a slasher. You know what movie? It's not a horror movie. It's definitely more of like a drama and thriller, but it scared me to death. What's that? Was the, it's a Harrison Ford, I believe Judy Foster's in it. Jodie Foster, rather. Um, what Lies Beneath. Mmm. That movie scared me senseless for like a solid week and a half. I saw it when I was probably about like nine. That 10. may have something to do with it. It, but it scared me. I, I was terrified. It's not a, it's not a horror movie by any stretch. But man, that movie scared me for a while. I can see you shaking right now. Yeah, just I'm, talking I'm about just, it. You're it, just it, chomping on your nails, and it's okay. It'll be all right. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank <laughs> hey, you. We're safe. Okay, we are uh, recording this on uh, Halloween, of course. So kind of very, a, very topical question. Thank you for that. One. Very scary night. Uh, and our final question comes in from listener BDIM. Of course, that's Big Dog in Madison. Uh, she asks, in light of recent and upcoming fall holidays, uh, I'm not, it's an odd way to f- frame that question. <laughs> what recent and upcoming fall holidays is she talking about? Well, well, let me finish your question. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where she's going with this. Oh, you're right. I should have read the entire question. <laughs> that reading comprehension. Yeah, that's know. right. Sorry, BDIM. Uh, what Halloween costume would you most like to see Bruce Weber dress up as? We'll start with that one. Scorpion. 
Scorpion? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's... <laughs> Yeah, naturally. <laughs> I think you look good at a Scorpion. I think you a nice big tail and a <laughs> some, some claws, some lobster claws. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that... a, a big, you know, just like the... The black scorpion, yeah, I think I think that'd be good for Bruce. Well, and that's uh, his nickname, of course, is the scorpion. Yeah, um, the, famously. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, don't get stung. Bruce Weber's coming into town. That's right. He'll it, sting you. He'll pinch you. <laughs> <laughs> he'll do it all to you. Yeah. And he'll also, you know, whoop your tail. You know, eighty to seventy-five. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's that's excellent. Uh, and her second question is. Uh, and what is one thing you're thankful for as a Cats football fan this year? Boy. Dig deep for this one. Uh, I've got a, I've got the, you want to know the first one that came to mind? What's that? that the season's almost over. <laughs> it's getting close. <laughs> it's getting closer by the day. <laughs> but no, what my answer will be is that, you know, even though that K-State has had a rough season this year on the gridiron and, you know, there's a lot of, of, um, you know, question marks around the program and the future of this program. Uh, even even with all that being said, uh, still going to Manhattan for a game is always a great time. Uh, getting to see family, uh, friends, all that stuff is great. Getting to drink beer and tailgates and talk, talk about sports. sports. Yeah, yeah, man. You, you know, What's you know, not man? to love? What's not to love about that? I love so, it. You know, even when K-State's product on the field's not great, I still have a heck of a time. Going down there and and, uh, and doing the whole get up with that, so um, that that's one thing I'd say I'm thankful for. That's a very thoughtful answer. So, well, that'll wrap it up for uh, this week's edition of the Short Side Option. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, to review uh, K State's uh, game against TCU and look ahead to the showdown against Kansas for the battle for the Governor's Cup. This game is. Is uh, gonna be a gonna be an interesting one this year. After you know, KU uh, hung around last year with K State, uh, had the ball down a touchdown uh, late in that game, and uh, K State was able to hold off the Jayhawks and get a win. Uh, but uh, with KU getting a nice win on the road against TCU last week, at or uh, at home, excuse me. Uh, when they go on the road to Manhattan, I should say, uh, might be a team that's coming in with a little bit of confidence. So. It'll be interesting to see how that game goes, and we'll be here to preview that next week on the short side option.